Hey there, future fans! This week, we make beautiful music together, and the magic we need has been in us all along. Oh, isn't that sweet? This is the week of August 28th, 2020, and you are listening to episode 179 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show i did it yet again yes another show without a needlessly long break because i'm tired no none of that we are back with another episode of future flicks yes indeed and let me tell you a little bit about the show in case you're new so if you're new welcome we don't normally do things like this on the show well let me tell you how things used to be and then i'll tell you how things are currently How things used to be is every week on the show, I would talk to you about all of the new movie news and all the new movie trailers that have caught my eye since the last episode. And then we would get into the movies. That is every single movie that I know about that's coming out in theaters that very week. See, thus future flicks. And then I would judge the movies and give them a rating called the Billiams Interest Level Score, aka the Bill Score. And that score would be based only on the trailer. Then we wrap it all up with a question of the week, and then I send you along your way to the other great shows on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Those other shows, on hiatus, temporarily, I am the only one, but the others hopefully will be back, because I would never leave you. That's a lie. I've left you many times since COVID started, just because I'm like, nah, I won't do an episode this week. Well, that's how the show used to go. Now the show is just a little bit different. How things work now is we still do the movies and the trailers. We still have the question of the week. But instead of the movies that are coming out in theaters that week, I just tell you what movies I'm going to be talking about. And these are movies that are most of the time available to stream. I try to make them current and relevant movies as in either something that just came out or we'll also do flashback movies. Those are older movies that sometimes you can't stream somewhere. Sometimes you can. This week, the two movies we'd be watching are Magic Camp on Disney+, Plus, which is more of a kid's movie, let me warn you again. We'll talk a little bit about that in when, uh, when I discuss that film. And then the other movie is Hearts Beat Loud on Hulu. So those were the two movies for the week. But now, my future friends, my future family, let us step into the first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. All right, my future friends, let us start with the first story. This comes to us from Joe Blow. This is regarding Zack Snyder's Justice League, the long-awaited Snyder Cut. It is now official. The Zack Snyder Justice League is going to be a four-part miniseries with the installments being one hour apiece. But if you do not want to watch it as a miniseries, it will be released as one put-together four-hour film. Right now, this is just for America in HBO Max. But if you're an international listener, fret not because... 
For those of you who don't live in America and still want to watch this, maybe there are a few of you, who knows, but there are currently distribution deals in the works, so we will see. Next up in the news, according to Dwayne Johnson, Hawkgirl was almost going to be in Black Adam. Of course, Black Adam has not started production yet. There has been no footage shot, but a teaser has revealed, thanks to concept art, that the Justice Society of America, or the JSA, will be featured in the film with members Hawkman, Dr. Fate, Cyclone, and Atom Smasher. And when one Twitter user asked him why, he actually responded, saying that Hawkgirl was 100% in the original JSA team. Sadly, it's a complicated story I'll share with the fans down the road, but it opened up the door for another awesome opportunity for another actress to come in and crush the role of Cyclone. I believe it all works out how it's meant to. And it will be interesting to find out why Hawkgirl couldn't be in it and why Hawkgirl not being in it brought in an opportunity for an actress to come in and play Cyclone. Because why would one female character exclude another unless they're like, oh no, we don't want too many women in this. Which from The Rock, I would not expect because he seems like a really upstanding nice guy, but from Hollywood elite with sarcastic air quotes, I would 100% expect that. This next story comes to us from Variety. Actor Alan Rich, who's in movies like Serpico with Al Pacino, Disclosure, and Quiz Show, has passed away. He was 94. In this story from Dazed, apparently Keanu Reeves didn't know that the Matrix trilogy was a trans allegory. That's right, neither did most of us until the Wachowskis came out and said it. The Wachowskis, formerly known as the Wachowski Brothers, now known as either the Wachowski Sisters or just the Wachowskis, came out and said that the Matrix trilogy is a allegory for the trans experience. Keanu Reeves says, I think the Matrix films are profound, and I think that, allegorically, a lot of people in different versions of the film can speak to that. And as for Lily to come out and share that with us, I think it's cool. Lily Wachowski, formerly known as Andrew Wachowski, but let's be honest, who really knew their first names? And that's not even me trying to be a dick. That's just me saying that every time I ever heard of them, it was always, always, always as a duo. In our next story, this from IGN, a story that totally won't make Roz from Roz's Midnight Macabre very angry. The Exorcist is getting a reboot in 2021. Yay, just what we needed. Oh, though here is something we already know about the film. Of course, not much is known about the film, though they want to aim for a 2021 release date. The thought that maybe because of COVID, the movie will be pushed back. This next story comes to us from IndieWire. If you thought to yourself, oh, and by the way, this is another story that would probably make Roz very angry. If you ever thought to yourself, hmm, what other horror franchises should get the Halloween treatment where they just do a direct sequel to the first film and ignore every other film in the series? If you said Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you are correct because that is the next one being worked on as we speak. And why is this in the news? It's because the director is walking away. Yes, the original director or directors, Andy and Ryan Toehill, are exiting over creative differences because Legendary is unhappy with the footage they shot over just one week of filming. So my question is, are we eventually going to see some sort of Snyder Cut shit going on where this one week of filming gets out after the movie flops and people are like, oh, this would have been good. Make this movie. Anyway, director David Blue Garcia is uh, stepping up to the helm. He directed the indie hit Tejano. 
But in case you were confused with my wording, yes, the Texas Chainsaw sequel is going to be a direct sequel to 1974's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre and will retcon all of the other sequels. And if you're f***ing telling me that 1995's Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation with Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey is no longer in canon, then you can go f*** yourself. And my future fans, finally in the news, you may have already seen the the trailer for the Batman that came out. Of course, we will be talking about that in the trove, but people are already asking the question, what the f*** is up with Catwoman's costume? Is Zoe Kravitz Catwoman going to get a costume upgrade in the Batman? Well, according to whatever magazine this is, let's see, W Magazine. Oh, that really is the name. Okay, cool. According to W Magazine, according to that magazine, we don't know for sure, but it is likely that she will get a costume upgrade, something more than the torn ski mask that she wears in the trailer. Why do they believe that she will get a costume upgrade? Well, because of some of the images seen thus far of Zoe Kravitz as the iconic anti-heroine. Oh, and also back in March, Zoe Kravitz praised the film's costume designer, Jacqueline Duran, and called the costume an evolution. Well, my future friends, that is it for the news. Let us take our first break as we hear word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. Please stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, my future friends, it is time for everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to The Trailer Trove. All right, future friends, let us talk about the first trailer, which is a trailer we've talked about before on the show last year. Maybe one of you or two of you will remember me talking about this film. I thought it looked pretty good. It did get a limited release on July 25th last year. So why is it in the trove once again when it's the same trailer we saw last time? Well, that's because it's coming out on Peacock. That's right, on the free, with air quotes, NBC streaming service on September 4th and this is a movie with an amazing cast so here's the main cast we have Emilio Estevez Michael Kenneth Williams Jeffrey Wright Gabriel Union Christian Slater Jenna Maloney Taylor Schilling and Alec Baldwin this was written and directed by Emilio Estevez and this is about a civil act of disobedience turned into a turns into a standoff with police when homeless people in Cincinnati take over the public library to seek shelter from the bitter cold after one of their own dies right outside of the library. I think this movie is very important because it asks a very important question. Why don't we do more for the homeless? And I'm not going to get on this whole political rant here, but there's a very, very good argument for helping homeless on the show Adam Ruins Everything where it's basically stated that you can either look at it as a compassionate human being or a cold, dead-inside person, and both ways, it's good to help people. 
So either you get people off the streets, let them get a foothold so they can start helping themselves. Because for a lot of people, just getting a house can lead to so much like a job. But also, it costs less to build housing for the homeless than it does for things like emergency services that would be called to, to help them or on cleanup efforts and all this, all the money we pour into it could be put into housing. Well, this movie is based on that, on that basic idea because in Cincinnati and a lot of places in America, it gets so cold that if you're outside for too long, you will die. Not even a maybe, it's killing weather. And during times like this, in cities that get that cold, emergency shelters are set up for the homeless. Well, the city of Cincinnati, at least in this movie, doesn't have enough of them. So this group of homeless people make a stand in the library and the head librarian person, the head person at the, I don't know what you call the head librarian. Head librarian? Is that really it? Sides with them. So it's about the standoff between them and the cops. And I think this looks really good. I think Emilio Estevez is woefully, woefully underappreciated. He's so much more than Young Guns and the Mighty Ducks even though I do love those movies, but he's so much more than that. So this comes out on Peacock on September 4th, and maybe that's going to be a future movie. Who knows? All right, my future friends, let's talk about the next film and the last one, I believe, that's not some sort of comic book movie. Let's see. Indeed, the last one, and it's called Death on the Nile. That's right. This is the follow-up to Murder on the Orient Express, which, of course, was a remake that was remade for the millionth time, but I liked it directed and starring Kenneth Branagh as Hercule Poirot. And unlike Artemis Fowl, which Kenneth Branagh also, you know, directed, I think this one looks good. It has an amazing cast, just like Murder on the Orient Express did. This has Tom Bateman, Annette Benning, Kenneth Branagh, of course, Russell Brand, Ali Fazal, Don French, Gal Gadot, and I'm just reading this straight off the, um, uh, the trailer credits. Army Hammer, Rose Leslie, Emma McKay, Sophie Okunedo, Jennifer Saunders, and Letitia Wright. And this one's super, super easy. Did you like Kenneth Branagh's Murder on the Orient Express? Did you like it? If yes, watch this. It's probably going to be just as good. Did you not like it? Then maybe don't watch it. And if you do watch his trailer and you can't quite place the song, I don't blame you because it's a slowed down version of a popular 80s song called Policy of Truth by Depeche Mode. If you listen to the regular version of Policy of Truth, you'll hear you'll hear it and you go, oh, of course, but it's really haunting when it's slowed down and it's like just the vocals. But this film comes out in theaters, hopefully, on October 23rd. All right, my future friends, next up we have a, not really a teaser, it's just a sneak peek trailer at The Suicide Squad. This is The Suicide Squad coming out next year, directed by James Gunn and written by James Gunn. And this teaser showed us quite a bit. In fact, we know almost what I'm assuming is the entire cast, or at least who's going to be in the squad. So I'm just going to go down the list on how they mentioned them in the trailer. Viola Davis is returning as Amanda Waller. We have Joel Kinnaman as Rick Flagg. We have Michael Rooker as Savant. We have Falula Borg as Javelin. Margot Robbie, of course, as Harley Quinn. David Dastmalchen, I think, is Polka Dot Man. Daniela Melchior is Ratcatcher 2. Idris Elba is Bloodsport. There's King Shark, who's mainly going to be CGI. Well, in fact, I think he's always going to be CGI because you can't really put a shark and give him arms and legs and make it real. 
Good job, me. Mei Ling Ng as Mongol, Peter Capaldi as the Thinker, Alice Braga as Solsoria, Pete Davidson as Blackguard, Nathan Fillion as TDK, Sean Gunn as Weasel, Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang, and John Cena as Peacemaker. So that is huge, and I'm excited. I trust James Gunn. I do. And I know that this that this sneak peek trailer, this teaser, was basically a big circle jerk to try and get you interested in it, but it worked. I am. I think this looks good. I've never been a huge fan of Harley Quinn. I, I liked her in Batman, the animated series, but then she started getting really big and popular and made a great slutty Halloween costume, but... I have to say, I do really like Margot Robbie as her. I think that Margot Robbie and her honest-to-God acting ability has made me care about Harley Quinn. So the official release date is August 6th, 2021. All right, my future friends, two more trailers in the trove, and the next one is the second trailer for Wonder Woman 1984, and I, I still can't wait. I think Patty Jenkins outdid herself again. So this trailer shows us a lot of the familiar scenes we've already seen in the first trailer, in the first international trailer. But this time, this time, we see more of Chris and Wig as Cheetah. And I never thought, I never thought I would see Chris and Wig look this badass. And nothing personally against her, but we know her. Most of us know her from comedy roles, right? Most of us know her from movies like bridesmaids we know her from her time on saturday night live we know her as one of the goofier characters in zoolander 2 she does comedy that's not to say she's never done anything serious but what has she done that's a mainstream big thing that was serious and this is it and she looks really good in this because we already know gal gadot great she is wonder woman there is no one else currently that I could picture as Wonder Woman. And now I am super excited to see Kristen Wiig as Cheetah and Pedro Pascal as Max Lord. And of course, Chris Pine returning as Steve Trevor with some sort of voodoo witchcraft bringing him back to life. My only issue with this movie has nothing to do with the people who made it, but it's the people who basically told Patty Jenkins what she could and couldn't do because if you noticed, Wonder Woman does not have her sword. She does not have a shield. That is because it seemed too violent. I'm sorry, one of the strongest superheroes in the DC, in the entire DC universe, is too violent with a sword and shield? So when Superman broke Zod's neck, was that too violent? And let's be perfectly honest here, the only reason that the sword and shield was too much for Wonder Woman is because of the woman part of her name. In Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, Batman straight up murdered people. Batman, who's one of who one of his famous rules, even though it hasn't historically been a rule, but ideally one of his rules is not killing people, murdered people. But Wonder Woman can't have a f***ing sword and shield. It's not like she was running people through and licking the blood off the blade. So any issue I have with this movie has to do with people higher up than Jenkins or Gadot or anyone else involved directly in the film. And by directly, I mean like the set level. So basically, this film looks amazing. I cannot wait. I was scared that Wonder Woman 1984 would be a would suffer from middle movie syndrome. But it doesn't look like it's going to do that. Because let's be honest, 
This is already getting a ton of hype. It's probably going to do wonderfully as much as a post-COVID movie can do because this comes out October 2nd. So we're hoping things will be back to a little bit like normal then. But needless to say, DC is going to want to do a third movie. And so if you're going to give me a superhero trilogy, or I'm sorry, a superheroine trilogy, and it's not going to suffer from middle movie syndrome, then sign me the f*** up. I cannot wait. And finally in the trove, my future friends, speaking about things I cannot wait for, we got the first trailer for The Batman. That's right, The Batman, directed by Matt Reeves. Written by Matt Reeves, starring Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne and Batman, Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle slash Catwoman, Colin Farrell as Oswald Cobblepot, a.k.a. the Penguin, Paul Dano as Edward Nashton. Okay. Oh, apparently Edward Nashton is actually one of the alter egos, the official alter egos for the Riddler. It says here on the Wikipedia that it's the second modern age name for the Riddler. All right, fun fact there. So Paul Dano as the Riddler. We have Peter Sarsgaard as District Attorney Gil Coulson, John Turturro as Carmine Falcone, Jeffrey Wright as James Gordon, which I'm so excited for. Andy Serkis as Alfred, also starring Barry Keoghan, and, well, that's the only other notable name, but, wow, that is a great cast. If you haven't seen the trailer yet, stop right now and watch it. It looks really good. I'm not going to break it down like I normally do for, for big trailers. I'll just mention a couple of the fun facts. Fun fact, someone on the internet has already cracked the Riddler's code that's on the letter that Batman gets. So if you're interested, we know what that code means. And this trailer has also sparked one of the dumbest articles I've seen in a while. And actually, there's multiple articles talking about Batman's emo eyeliner. Okay, I get for a lot of these news outlets, quote unquote news outlets, it's a joke. But some of the articles I read actually didn't understand why Batman needed the eyeliner. And it's not eyeliner per se. It's makeup he puts around his damn eyes so it looks all black when he wears it, when he wears his mask or his cowl. And also they're commenting on his emo hair. Okay, sure, it's emo hair, I guess. I guess next he's going to paint his fingernails black and listen to some hymn. Whatever. But the only problem I had with the trailer was the depiction of the Riddler. It was really hard to see, and I hope that's not his final costume because it kind of looked like some f***ed up take on Bane. It almost look, looks like the Riddler in this is wearing a rubber mask, or maybe it's made out of tape and then has goggles on. I really, really hope that's not his final costume, because the Riddler is iconic for his hat and its green jacket with the question marks all over it. And I hope they don't f*** him up, because the Riddler is my all-time favorite Batman villain. Don't get me wrong, Joker's great, Penguin's great, Catwoman, they're all great, but the Riddler is the best. The, because let's face it, the only reason the Riddler gets caught is because he's he's obsessed with proving that he's smarter than Batman. So he leaves these clues that Batman figures out and God knows how much he can get away with if he didn't leave clues. So if you haven't checked it out yet, check out the trailer for the Batman. It looks so good. And I, I think Robert Pattinson is going to kill it. I loved Batfleck. You know me, I loved Ben Affleck as Batman. I thought he did a good job. That doesn't mean Robert Pattinson can't also do a good job. Michael Keaton is returning as Batman in the Flash movie. He's going to do a great job too. So yes, me, super excited for this. Super excited to maybe see it. Oh no, this one shouldn't get pushed back. 
because it comes out October 1st next year. Well, my future friends, that is it for the trailer trove. Let us take a next break as we hear a word from our friends at the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast. And then we will be right back with the first movie. Stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. All right, we're back. We're back, everyone, with the first movie that came out on Disney Plus on August 14th, and it's called Magic Camp. This is about Andy, who, at the urging of his former mentor and Magic Camp owner Roy Preston, returns as a counselor to the camp of his youth, hoping to reignite his career. But waiting there for him is his nemesis and former friend and partner, Christina Darkwood, who happens to be one of the world's most famous magicians and has a successful solo act on the Las Vegas Strip. But a young man named Theo is experiencing his first year at the camp and having just lost his father, maybe magic, with the help of Andy, can help him. This stars Adam Devine, Jillian Jacobs, and Jeffrey Tambor. So I was going to talk about this for last week's trailer trove and then i realized that it had come out a week prior so i watched the trailer and i was excited it kind of looked to me at least so it looked to me in my eyes in my opinion (laughs) it looked like school of rock but with magic what it ended up being was more like disney's kids movies like camp rock and stuff like that so nothing wrong with that at all it just wasn't what i was expecting still i enjoyed it it was fun but it wasn't okay let me put this this way it was very much a disney movie it seems like the kind of movie that would have premiered on the disney channel but guess what disney plus is the new greatest thing so that's where it came out the premise mentions that it's about andy and him coming or returning to the camp and dealing with his old rival slash friend, but it's more about the kids and it's more about Theo, who is dealing with the loss of his father. He did magic for his father and his father died, but so now he he's kind of lost the love of magic. So his mother sends him to this camp, hoping it would reignite that love. So the kids are broken up into different cabins and the one Adam Devine gets in charge, put in charge of is the one with Theo and all of the losers, I guess. And the group of kids is a very stereotypical group of kids. So we have the main character. We have the super nerdy kid who's allergic to everything, but he's really good with numbers. We have the super preppy girl, the super not preppy girl. Just for fun, we're going to throw a gay kid in there. Not actually say he's gay or hint at it at all, but may hey, maybe that's close to representation, right? And of course, in another cabin is the bully. Do I wish this was more like School of Rock? I do. I really do. I wish it was just a little more in the middle between a kid's movie and a movie for adults where School of Rock sits wonderfully, but it's not. It leans more towards the kid's side. So if you have a family, if you have young ones, watch this. This is a really good film for kids. It's very positive. It's funny. It's a very typical Disney film. 
And what disappointed me was that a lot of the magic was CG'd in, or it was obviously fake. Some of the fancy cuts, are like riffle cuts and things like that, that the main kid was doing, I think he really learned how to do, but some of the more impressive things were obvious CGI. And I guess that was still part of my assuming it was like Camp Rock, or Camp Rock, uh, assuming that it was like School of Rock, because in School of Rock, it's the actual kids playing the instruments. Like, we've known this. It's not a secret. So I was hoping maybe that there'd be a card trick or two or some sleight of hand that'd be real, but unfortunately not. So I'm not saying nothing in the movie was real. There probably was a trick or two that the kids or even Adam Devine or Jillian Jacobs really learned. But I think the reason that bothered me was because of my expectations going into this. So that's why I really want to get this through to you. If you plan on watching this, you're going to watch a kid's movie. When you were growing up, did you ever watch a show on the Disney Channel? You know what to expect. And there's nothing wrong with that. At all. This is a great movie for families. Hell, maybe one day you're feeling down and you want to watch something super lighthearted and goofy to make you feel like a kid again. Maybe watch this. Why not? But unless you fit into one of those categories, I, I would kind of suggest you skip it. I laughed. I liked supporting Adam Devine and Jillian Jacobs and Jeffrey Tambor. I like them. But if I never watched this, I don't think I would have missed out. If I had a kid to watch this with, I think I would have liked it more because then I would have been able to watch it with them and it would have been something we could have done together. Or if I knew better what to expect going in, I think I would have liked it a bit more. So at the end of the day, Magic Camp is a very basic but still enjoyable and perfect for families movie that you can watch right now on Disney+. And Magic Camp gets a 6.5 out of 11. All right, my future friends, I know I didn't talk too long about that film, so let us switch the final two ads around. Let's do We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa next, because it's a shorter ad, and then we will talk about the next film, which is Hearts Beat Loud, so please stay tuned. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're, We're Doing, Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're, we're doing, doing fine. Alright, we're back. We're back with the final film, Hearts Beat Loud, available on Hulu right now. This is a movie from 2018. You may remember me talking about the trailer if you've listened to the show for that long. It stars Nick Offerman, Kiersey Clemens, Blythe Danner, Tony Collette, Sasha Lane, and Ted Danson. And this is about the relationship between a father and daughter, Frank, played by Nick Offerman, and Sam, played by Kiersey Clemens. Sam is about ready to leave for college. Frank is all alone since the mother died years ago. And Frank is also working at a suffering business. He owns a record store in a time where only really hipsters and old people buy records. So it doesn't really do well. Rent is starting to go up. So before his daughter leaves, he says, hey, let's have a jam session. Let's make some music together like they used to when she was little. Well, they start making music and they happen to form a song. And then they get into it and they make this song and the song's all said and done after who knows how long of actually working on it. And Nick Offerman's character, Frank, puts it on the Spotify's and it gets a lot of attention. It even makes it on a great new songs playlist or something or great indie artists playlist on Spotify. 
And Nick Offerman says, hey, I have an idea. You don't go to school to, be- to become a doctor. You stay here and we make music together in a total reversal of a classic movie idea. Because how many movies have we watched where we have a kid that wants to follow their passion of acting or music or art or dancing or or something, but their parents like, no, you're going to go become a lawyer or a doctor, or you're just going to go to school because like they say in Sister Act 2, singing don't put no money on the table or food on the table. But in this movie, we have it reversed. We have this, this young woman who's going off to college to become a doctor who's super smart, wants to learn how to do this. And her dad's like, hey, hey, instead of doing that, (laughs) why don't you stay here and we'll form a band? And what I really liked about this film is that it was more than just a reversal on a classic movie idea. It was way more than that because it's about not just Frank and Sam's relationship, but we also touch on Frank and his relationship with his mother, Marianne, played by Blythe Danner, who's starting to go senile and need some help. The relationship between Frank and the person who owns the building he rents for his business named Leslie and how they kind of have a thing for each other. And it seems like she's been keeping the rent low artificially for years just to help him out, but she just can't do it anymore. So they have that. And then Sam, before she goes off to college, meets this young woman named Rose and they hit it off and they really start to fall for each other. And so this adds something to Sam's to Sam's conundrum. Her dad wants her to stay to make music. She likes making music with her dad. They wrote a good song that's getting some listens. She just found someone she thinks she may love. Should she stay or should she go? In that famous question asked by The Clash, should I stay or should I go now? We also have Frank asking the question, what should I do after the record store closes? So he's like going around putting in his resume at places and going to his friend Dave who owns a bar to just unload when he needs to. So this, there's a lot in this movie, a lot that I really liked. And I like that it wasn't just a, a, a one-dimensional movie. I like that there was so much more to it than this father-daughter story. Nothing wrong with the father-daughter story, but I liked that there were different levels to it. And I liked that everything felt very natural. So we had Kiersey Clemens and Sasha Lane's characters falling in love. And I liked that the fact that their relationship wasn't even an issue to the dad. I understand and I fully support stories about the difficulties of coming out for LGBT youth. I understand that as much as I can understand it, obviously. I understand that they're very, very important stories to tell, but it's also good to see stories like this that normalize it. That go, oh, look, here's a who here, two women who love each other. Look how normal it is. Look how normal it should be. There's just so much to love about this movie and the music they made was good. You can listen to the songs they do on Spotify right now, though most of the songs don't have him in it on Spotify because in the movie he mainly just plays the instrumentals. So I figured when they recorded the actual songs, they were like, hey, let's save some money and just get some random person to play guitar instead of paying Nick Offerman to do it. But you could tell that Nick Offerman knows quite a bit about music because he was actually playing these instruments because he was in a band. If you remember, when I started talking about this trailer two years ago, I thought it looked interesting. I was excited to see it, and I have forgotten about it until now. When Ann and I were scrolling through Hulu, we saw it, and I said, nope, this is my pick. This is what I want to watch. And when I first saw the trailer, when I was talking about it on the show, I expected to like the film. I didn't expect to love the film. 
This was directed by Brett Haley, directed and co-written by Brett Haley, who did movies like The Hero, I'll See You in My Dreams, uh, this year's All the Bright Places. Uh, he directed one episode of Looking for Alaska on Hulu. And the other writer is Mark Bosch, who wrote I'll See You in My Dreams, The Hero, and All Together Now, I guess is an upcoming um, Netflix movie. So I really, really liked this film. I thought it was really well done. And it even did certain things well, like when Nick Offerman's character started being a jackass to Tony Collette's character, he wasn't even a creep. He was just kind of rude. And this may be one of my favorite roles for Ted Danson in recent history. This movie all around impressed me. I love it. I want to, and I will own it. And so I want you, if you haven't seen it yet, to go out and watch this film and then tell me what you think. Hearts Beat Loud gets a 10 out of 11. All right, my future friends, that is it for the movies. Let us take our final break as we hear word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast, and then we'll come right back with the question of the week and the movies for next week. Please stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall, filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> the f*** yeah. did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, my future friends, we are back. And we actually got a question, or sorry, a question and answer for the question from episode 177. Frat Matt answered, and he said, Oh, let me remind you the question. So the question for episode 177 was, out of all the movies postponed due to COVID, which are you most excited for? And he says, no lie, probably Maverick. I know that probably makes me a bad person, but you don't know it doesn't make you a bad person. I think it looks very interesting. I think it looks very promising. I like the cast they have. I like the fact that Maverick is in it, but he's a teacher at Top Gun. I like the fact that we're seeing Val Kilmer return. I like the fact that Miles Teller is the new, like basically the new Maverick type guy as he's playing Goose's son. It looks very promising. And that comes out July 2nd, 2021. As for last week's episode, the question of the week to answer was, and I'll be honest, it's not my finest question of the week. It was pick one of your favorite childhood sports figures to be in a movie. Who would you like to see? I brought that up because of Jake the Snake Roberts being in, in uh, Peanut Butter Falcon. Also, we've been hearing a lot about Space Jam 2. And we didn't get any answers besides me because, well, it's a weird question, so maybe none of you answered. And also, Anne doesn't do sports, and she tried to pass off Patrick Swayze as an answer because he did ballet. As for my answer, I I had a weird relationship with sports when I was a kid. I only really watched it because my grandpa did, and I idolized him. But for some reason, I was obsessed with Daryl Strawberry. Daryl Strawberry played for the New York Mets from 1983 to 1990. He then went on to play to, for the Dodgers and the Giants and the Yankees. 
But what was weird about it is I was obsessed with him when he played for the Mets, but I didn't like the Mets. I liked the Giants because they're my local team. And oddly enough, his one season with the Giants, I had already like moved past him and was on to people like uh, Will Clark or Jose Uribe. Jose Canseco was big shit back then. But I remember loving, loving, loving Joe Montana. Joe Montana, quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, precursor to Steve Young, another great. But my true answer is going to be Daryl Strawberry, because how f***ing weird would that be? What kind of movie would that even be that Daryl Strawberry could be in it and have it not be absolute awful? Because he's a baseball, or he was a baseball player. I don't even know why I liked him so much. Uh, I mean, nothing against him personally, it's just weird for me, especially because the Mets weren't my team. And he wasn't even, he was okay. He was a good player, but he wasn't phenomenal. His batting average was 0.25 or 0.259. I'm sorry. Okay, enough about sports. Let's talk about the next question of the week. Maybe something someone can answer. And let's do something comic book related. Let's do, let's do it like this. A question that I'm sorry, sweetie, you can't answer. I don't think. (laughs) It's which superhero has your favorite set of villains? So which superhero could be from DC, Marvel, or one of the other companies has your favorite supervillains? And you can measure that however you want to. If like your favorite villain is Dr. Doom, then you could go, oh, well, Fantastic Four. But maybe your favorite supervillain is Dr. Doom, but you like more of Batman's villains. You like more of them, so maybe you'd say Batman. I don't know. Measure it however you want. But which superhero has your favorite villains? So my future friends, let me tell you what movies we're going to be watching for next week. Next week, we are watching, as our flashback film, My Cousin Vinny from 1992, on Hulu, My Cousin Vinny, of course, starring Joe Pesci, Marissa Tomei, Ralph Macchio, Fred Gwynn, and Bruce McGill. So that's available to watch anytime on Hulu. And the other movie we're going to watch is we're finally going to sit down and watch The Old Guard on Netflix. The Old Guard starring Charlize Theron and Matthias Schoenarts. That's it. Earlier today, I was talking to a friend at work trying to remember who it was. as Matthias Schoenarts. And uh, also Chiwetel Ejiofor, still one of my favorite names in history. Chiwetel Ejiofor, who was Mordo and Doctor Strange, but we all know that he's from Serenity. So once again, my future friends, we're watching My Cousin Vinny on Hulu and The Old Guard on Netflix. So next time you tune in, we'll be at episode 180. But for now, this is the end of episode 179, Percussion and Prestidigitation. And so here we go with the closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also, share the podcast. Share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. 
please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.